You're listening to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, episode 132. Welcome to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, where we bring you engaging conversations about wildlife and conservation from all across the globe. I'm your host, Matt Podolsky. Okay, so I'm guessing that folks have started to notice that we've been lagging behind on our typical weekly release schedule with the show. We are going through a bit of a transition period with the show and also with Wildlands as a whole. In fact, one facet of this transition will be discussed in detail on today's discussion. But regarding the podcast, I just wanted to assure you that we aren't going anywhere. We are planning lots of exciting interviews for the coming months, and we will be back to our weekly schedule very soon. Now, we had to make the vaquita the focus of this episode because I am about to embark upon what could be the most dramatic shoot of my career. In less than two weeks, the vaquita capture effort will begin, and our Wildlands crew will be there to capture whatever happens. Now, as if the capture effort itself wasn't exciting enough, we also have an exciting update to share about our film project. This will be discussed in detail later on in the show, but just to give you a teaser, we have partnered with several other large production companies to produce the feature-length version of our film. We're super excited about this collaboration and everything that it means for both the key to awareness generally and for Wildlands. Let's see what Sean Bogle thinks. I guess our, our listeners, um, you know, there's been a, been a great deal of silence um, on our end. Um, a lot of it has been, you know, I think where we ended up last was communicating, trying to inform people about the, the last shoot we did, which was in the spring, earlier this year in, uh, in March. And, of course, that's the time period that the illegal fishing of the Twaba is at its climax. And so, you know, you and I both went up there and to kind of follow through with that since we've been doing that for consecutive years. And one of the things that we, we noticed um, then in previous years was that we saw, we saw a lot of military attention in the area in order to provide enforcement to prevent uh, the illegal fishing of the Twaba. So, you know, there was an astronomical amount of Navy and army, um, and it's it's it's. It, I, I have to say that it was probably the most um, extreme conservation effort that I've ever seen or even heard of. Um, being that it turned the area into like a militarized zone with additional checkpoints and just a lot of soldiers and whatnot. Um, and then now, you know, thinking that like, okay, that was going to be the standard. Like, obviously, you need to have this type of enforcement to prevent these illegal actions. But what did we learn during that time? Despite all the attendance of that enforcement, um, it didn't do anything. There still was the Bikita found and tons of illegal fishing happening. I would have thought that would have just been standard. Like they would just keep putting in that amount of troops during that time period. So, you know, I would say it's about a three month period that those guys were there. Um, with helicopters flying over doing um, aerial surveys around the Gulf night and day. And, well, that's that's not what we witnessed. 
it was uh, nothing. There was there was there were no soldiers there. I mean, there was just your basic, um, you know, the Navy facility that's there, but they did not send reinforcements from Intamama or Mexico City. And, um, well, of course, if you don't do that, I mean, if illegal fishing was happening while they were there, and of course now they're not there, it's obvious what the outcome was. And so it was even worse in the previous year as far as the illegal fishing activity. And there were more dead Akita discovered. I think uh, it was a recorded total official recorded total of four but of course you and i know that there were more you know, we, we were able to see evidence um of that but of course that's that's off the books i think it's important to note here as well that you know the um and and i mean i still see this in a lot of the reporting that that comes out um about the vaquita um which is that people are still using the population estimate from last year, right? So they're, they're saying that, you know, oh, there's about 30 individuals or there's less than 30 individuals. And that it's important to note that that population estimate um, was valid as of December of 2016. Um, And at the point when we, you know, Sean, when you and I were down there um, in April, of 2017, you know, we were going through that time period. Like it's, it's pretty safe to say that the vast majority, if not all of those mortalities, um, that are occurring, they're happening within this pretty small window of time, um, March and April, which as you said, is the peak of the illegal fishing season for, um, Tatuaba. Um, and so, you know, if, if, if you know that the vast majority of those mortalities in any given year happening within this small two month window, and we know, we know that at least last year, like the, the, um, the rate of mortality um, for the vaquita population from going from 2015 to 2016 was 50%. We lost 50% of the population um, over the course of that year. Um, and, you know, if we assume that that is, is um, you know, still close to the rate of decline, and we also assume that most of those mortalities happen within this short window of time, within March and April, um, then we can, you know, I think it's pretty safe to assume that, you know, uh, we've already lost that 50%, you know, um, even though 2017 is not yet over, um, most likely we're looking at a Vikita population currently that's 15 individuals or less. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's pretty harsh news. Um, but I think that's, you know, people are responding, as you say, to this, this number, uh, 30 and the situation is much more dire, which, of course, desperate times call for desperate measures. And that's why, you know, they feel like the last uh, ditch effort here is to capture the remaining Vaquita um, because they just can't seem to get a control of this issue, uh, meaning that they are not able to enforce um, or stop the illegal fishing. And, you know, Vaquita are just they're bystanders. Uh, in a war that they have no control over, and and unfortunately, it's it's taking them out so quickly that you know no one else knows what else to do. Um, they've they've done everything they possibly can in trying to negotiate with the Mexican government and implementing certain measures in order to protect the Vaquita, but they've all failed. Yeah, and and you know, I think I think at this point in the conversation, I think it might be worth bringing in 
just a little bit of this conversation that, that I had and, and recorded with uh, Lorenzo Rojas Bracho, who is one of the main characters in our documentary. Um, so we've been sort of following his efforts to help save the vaquita for the past uh, two years or more. Um, and, uh, I was able to just jump on a quick call with him. He is, you know, uh, Lorenzo is the one who is, um, sort of leading this capture effort and sort of leading the Vaquita conservation effort generally, um, on the Mexico side. And, uh, you know, as, as you might imagine, I mean, this is, it's a very sort of stressful and, and hectic time for him. He's dealing with a lot of sort of feedback, like both positive and negative, uh, on this this effort to uh, capture Vaquita. And uh, I don't know. I, I think you'll be able to to sort of tell by by listening to this conversation that that I had with him that you know this is this is a really sort of deep seated internal struggle that that he's been going through, right? Because I mean, it's it's this moment where you know if if there is no effort made to go out and capture Vaquita, the species will um, almost certainly be extinct within a year. But going out and capturing Vaquitas is extremely risky, and um, there is absolutely no guarantee that this will be successful. And I mean, this could this capture effort could lead to this extinction, the Vaquita, you know, the extinction of Vaquita happening sooner. I mean, that's entirely possible that this thing could just totally fail and. Um, you know, they could accidentally kill a vaquita uh, through the process of trying to, to capture them. Um, so, I mean, this could get ugly um, and it's a huge risk and a lot of conservation groups are very adamantly opposed to it. So Lorenzo has been getting a lot of criticism um, and yeah, I, th- I think we should just listen into that, that, that conversation just for a bit, just to hear Lorenzo's perspective on the capture effort. Oh no, it's, I mean, it's a hard moment at the same time. It's, it's not where we want it as people. There's where, or this is where we are. There's nothing we can do to change that, I guess. Yeah, you know. Yeah, obviously, nobody wants to be in that situation where this obviously is a last ditch effort. But it's, I mean, it's it's better than nothing, right? I mean, and and it's it's you know sort of a, a monumental effort to you know create sort of not only like all the logistics that need to happen in order for this to occur, but like the political will for this to, you know, even be considered and for this amount of money to be spent on this effort. No, I mean, we always think that we're going to be successful, but deep inside, you know, there's, I mean, there's a chance of failure. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a mixed feelings or that, uh, you're getting into something that nobody has done before and that might sound exciting but there are chances there are chances of failure probably just like any other project we've done so far but this is I said this is a riskiest and most complicated project we ever done before I mean amount of people there and just, I mean, the, the, many of the things they are not even in the Mexican legislation to do. I mean, there are no no type no permits for the type of things we want to do, for example. And so it, it's it's I mean it's interesting in how complicated it has it's getting to to do <laughs> right. these things. Right. 
Right. I mean, is is uh, from a political perspective? I mean, it's it's. It, it, it seems like there's a lot of support, like within the, the, the Mexican government, to, to, to make this happen, right? I mean, despite all the complexities that, that are surrounding this. Well, uh, there there is support for from certain side. There is attacks from others. Right. I and mean, it, it's these kind of things you never have everybody on your side, because that's the way it is, and we just have to learn to live with it. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's it's a uh, it's it's a strange feeling. I don't know. It's hard to describe uh, how we feel, what we're doing, what our expectations were a year ago, and where we are now. Spending, you know, uh, such a significant part of your career just working with this one species, and now like being at this moment where it's, you know, I mean this. Um, I mean, well, I, I, I mean, let me ask you this. I mean, does the survival of the species really hinge on this effort? I mean, if this fails, is is have we lost all hope for the vaquita? I think so, yeah, because I, uh, vaquita will not stand another Totuaba season like the ones it has. I mean, that would be, I mean, for sure that's the end. I, I don't think anybody from us has been doing this for a long time thinks there's another chance for the vaquita. This is it. If it's this, if this doesn't work, then. I think we can all go home and do something else. Yeah, it's difficult to sort of like put put that into words. It's sort of like what what that what that feels like, right? Because um, obviously, it's like there's there's a certain amount of excitement of like doing something that that is new and that nobody's ever tried before, right? But there's, I mean, it's it's an enormous question mark, right? As far as you know, what what the chances of success are, and it's difficult to think about what you know what that will feel like if it's not successful yeah i mean we don't know we don't even have the way or at least i don't have the way to say our chances of, of success are 60 percent or 80 percent. I mean, we don't even have the data to estimate our, our chances of success i mean you can do modelings and try to to do it but really we have no idea right. honestly we it's as unexplored territories, in, and it's the largest as scale. I mean, yesterday we were counting. There are about 100 people involved one way or the other in this, and about 50 will be on the field at, at different times. So it's, uh, it, it's, and I'm just met with NGOs in the UK, and they've got the whole Totuaba black market. It's greater or, or larger than Lakita, corruption. And it's so far, there are so many things that are so outside our hands that it's desesperating yeah how, how has your role sort of shifted you know because i know that it's there there have been a lot of changes on your end as far as like the, the actual role you're playing in just general like vaquita conservation effort and now this specific attempt to uh, uh to to live capture vaquita what i mean what role are you playing at this point like right now and how has that that changed over the last you know year or six months well, it has changed that anything we do is only vaquita. Like my wife says, I'm eating and I'm thinking of vaquita. I go to sleep and I'm thinking of vaquita. In well, or vaquita CPR in this case. So it's it's a big change. I mean, interviews, hundreds of interviews, which I gladly they have stopped by now. But it was just interviews, attacks on the media, uh, uh, colleagues from the from different universities attacking us. And, I mean, it was scary at some point how things were, but 
you know, it's it was. Uh, and then, I mean, I always try to be. Don't mention this, but I I have always tried to be. Kind of a. Not too close to ministers or anything like that, but this time I'm very close to the minister. Not in, I mean, not that we're friends, but I. The guy he calls the most for advice and what to do, what not to do. So, I mean, usually I talk to the minister one, twice or three times during the presidential period, at most two times every year. But with this minister, it has been pretty intense, I mean, which is good because that means he, how interested he is in, in Vaquita. If he was not interested, he wouldn't be doing it, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good to hear, right, that, that, that you guys have this open line of communication. The attacks that you mentioned, right, I mean, coming from folks who, who maybe disagree with this this capture attempt, I mean, that's got to be particularly difficult to, to deal with because, I mean, you know, I mean, as you said, it's like, it's it seems pretty clear that if... Um, if if there is no capture attempt and or if this capture attempt fails, then we're looking at the extinction of the of the vaquita. And and I just I just imagine you know in, in your particular situation specifically, it's got to be difficult to hear people attacking this 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 effort. Yeah, when some that are close people, or it hurts more than if it's someone I don't know. But other people making stories up about this, what we're doing pretending they have the science and they don't have it and putting on the media and so those things are kind of uncomfortable I try to not to pay attention but although most of the time I'm successful there are a few times that it, it, I'm not in it just bothers and hurts but a, a good friend who's been involved in Wakita told me that I was putting the last nails to the Wakita coffin by trying to capture them and that was not a that was pretty <laughs> Uncomfortable. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough, right? Because it's like, well, I'm I'm doing the same thing if I if I actually do put forth this effort, right? I mean, like with certainty, like you're putting the last nails in the co- coffin if you just do nothing, right? Yeah, that's how we see it. But it's it, it's interesting how people have their own views, mm-hmm. and uh, and like people saying, "Oh, let them die with dignity," and I say, "Well, that, that that's bullshit." I mean, that's. Uh, I mean, you, you die with dignity if you have cancer, and you have, you you choose to say, I, "I'm not going to get treatment, and I'm going to accept my fate or or my fate." But saying things like, uh, "Let them go away with dignity," I mean, that sounds pretty weird to me. It is, you know, and and I mean, I'm I'm reminded of this of this constantly because you know that is the exact same. Uh, language that that people used back in the 1980s uh, in reference to the California condor when there were only 22 California condors there was this this massive campaign you know uh, launched by the Sierra Club and they advocated to let the species uh, go extinct death with dignity was like the catchphrase that they used Um, and it worked right and I mean like those people feel like idiots now because they did launch this captive breeding effort for California condors and it was successful and you know the condor is still endangered, but you know now there's like 450 of them instead of 22. So I mean, yeah, it's you never know, right? I mean, it's it's always a risk, but it, it certainly seems like a risk worth taking to me. Well, that's how we feel that it's worth taking a risk. I mean, it would be I would feel like shit if we were just sitting down 
waiting to see the Kitako extinct. I remember when we finished the survey in 2015, and we didn't finish analyzing the data, but the minister called me to go to Mexico City and meet with him and just give him a briefing of how the survey had gone, what, where we were doing, or how we were doing with the data, etc. And he asked me, so how many vaquitas would you think the estimate would be? And I told him, well, I don't know, but probably 50, 40, or, I mean, less than 100 for sure, but uh, I said, I don't know, 50, 60, or pick your number. And he said, Lorenzo, are we going to just sit here and watch vaquita go extinct? And I said, no, you have to stop all the illegal fishing or the government. And then I said, well, do we have a B plan? And I said, well, we can try to capture vaquitas. And he got all excited about it, and I was not happy that he was getting excited, but I, I, I knew that at least if he was excited, it meant that we had a B plan, which we didn't have really. That's something I regret through my life that uh, right. we always thought we were going to stop gill netting and fishing. And then, of course, we didn't know that the mafias and the Chinese and drug cartels were going to get involved in all this. But I, we should have had a B plan at some point, and we didn't. So the B plan came a bit late. Right. When we have a C plan, if we capture vaquitas, we will have uh, tissue cultures and gamete rescue and genetics, and we might clone vaquitas in the future. But <laughs> Yeah, let's, let's hope we do not have to resort to the C plan. Let's hope the B plan works. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I hope we do. Uh, and we have less vaquitas than 30, of course. Capturing less than 30 is going to be a challenge. I mean, find them, um, finding them, probably not, but trying to capture them and hoping they behave as we would like them to behave. They're easy to handle and they don't get stressed. Anyway, it's an interesting process. I don't know how to describe it. It's just kind of all these mixed feelings and budget and waking up and, and I mean importing equipment or going for visas and then we're all in this madness process and then suddenly you have an earthquake and everything closes and then you feel like shit because you're thinking in Vaquita when there are hundreds of people that got killed and disappeared and lost their houses so it's like you feel like so stupid thinking of Vaquita when there there's a tragedy like that one yeah, that that certainly adds a whole a whole other layer of um, difficulty to this, right? I mean, especially since I'm, I'm sure you're relying on on a lot of folks that are based in Mexico City to to, to do a lot of this work and um, to manage a lot of the logistics of this effort. Well, I yeah, I don't I don't want to take up you know too much more of your time, Lorenzo. I, I really appreciate you. Uh, no, that's okay. Are there any kind of pragmatic or practical issues we need to? talk about or everything is okay and we can talk later or all right that was our brief update from lorenzo rojas bracho the biologist who is leading the vaquita capture effort you are listening to this less than two weeks before that capture effort begins which will be on october 12th of 2017 sean so obviously he has lorenzo um you know there's, there's a couple facets to this so Yes, the issue for Vegeta captures is extremely controversial, and we've seen a variety of responses. You know, there's there's a lot of people that are pro capture, but there's there's equally the same amount of people that are against. Um, and that's the same thing with giving praise. You know, we've got people that are praising the Mexican government for this this 
this effort that they're doing right now. But then there's some that's saying, well, you could have done this 30 years ago. And so when you, when you talk about Lorenzo and how long and how much time he's invested in the conservation um, and survival of the Kita, you know, we're talking, you know, 20 plus years of his life, um, you know, has, he's, he's just lived, breathed, um, the Kita. And his role as a, as a scientist um, for the, you know, most, most of this time period um, has put him in a position to where that he would just try to understand and collaborate with other researchers on how to correct the issue and then acting as um, essentially uh, uh, the voice for the Vaquita and explaining to the Mexican government, which he's done repeatedly over the years um, during his career and involvement with the Vaquita. Um, but I think part of this internal struggle that he's having is not just the, the, the concept of just the captures themselves as well as, um, uh, you know, the fact that why, why are we in this position? Like this, this could have been completely prevented. I, I wouldn't even be in this position, but it's how close he is um, even to the Mexican government because he's not, he's not just a representative of a scientific institution anymore, a university. Um, he's now Essentially, he's the go-to for the Mexican government to learn about what the process is, which is funny because it's not exactly like he's he's saying anything different than he did before. Um, at, at a, you know, which is what he he had distance between the government and him and himself, and now he's like, you know, working for the government um, in order to stop this from you know stop stop this from happening and, and then protecting the vaquita. So I think when you're when you're so not only does he have all this weight from previous years and frustration of having the Mexican government listen to him. It's only now that he's got their attention and he's working for them. But under those circumstances, having to deal with the fact that he actually has to pull the Kia out of their natural habitat and, you know, or at least, you know, even though they're going to be put in sea pens. You understand what I'm saying? I, no, I do. It's, it's, it's a situation he, he where. spread so thin right now it's i can i can't imagine and and i mean and and i feel i feel like all the other people like barbara taylor um and the rest of the server crew completely empathize with lorenzo but they know that like lorenzo is bearing much of this weight because he has this pressure from you know the mexican government assuming like listen you know we're listening to what you're doing we can fight in what you're saying and so if this fails you know and I, i'm sure lorenzo is thinking this if this capture effort fails. You know, one, he's not happy that it's even happened to begin with, despite whether the Vaquita pull out of this some way or other, who knows. But if it fails, what is that going to do to him personally? I mean, of course, humanity is going to be deeply impacted by this atrocity of losing another species um, after the red flag had gone up. And Lorenzo being one of the main people to raise that red flag. Right. And then all of a sudden, despite all his efforts, still failed. Like I can't even imagine what that does to a person. Um, and not to mention, I don't, I don't, how's that going to affect his livelihood later on? Like what will his role be beyond that? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, and, and I mean, honestly, you know, that's, um, that's why he's one of the main characters in our film, right? Because I mean, he's going through this struggle and, um, and it's, it's, it's difficult and emotional, um, and fascinating. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's also, it's also a good, a good story. Right. And, and regardless of the outcome, 
um, there will be lessons for for everybody to learn. Anybody who's involved in conservation, even folks who aren't, you know, uh, moving forward. So, you know, that's, that is, you know, sort of at the heart of it, like why we have chosen to follow Lorenzo and why he's one of the main characters in the film. And I think, you know, at this point, maybe we should transition into talking just a little bit about our project, our, the film project itself. Um, because, you know, you talked a little bit about the, the previous shoot, um, the pre- our previous trip to Mexico, which, you know, was in part to gather more footage um, and to gather more footage that's connected to the illegal Tatuaba fishing season that was occurring at that time. Um, but we also had a secondary goal um, on that particular trip, which was to um, host a series of screenings of um, the half hour version of souls of the vermilion sea um which we did and they were hugely successful and you know we talked a lot about that on previous episodes of the podcast and on some blog articles etc but you know we reached uh we i really felt like we reached a critical mass at least of uh students in san felipe which i think is a really important audience to be reaching with this message um about you know what's really going on at the heart of this conservation issue and that really was sort of the primary reason um, why we put together that half hour version of the film, even though we knew that we weren't done shooting and we still wanted to tell the story in a longer uh, format. Um, we felt like it was necessary to put together that half hour cut, you know, just to, to get the word out and, and to um, share this information with people while there was still um, a chance to have an impact, right? Because we're still right now in a situation where, you know, we're not sure if, the vaquita will be extinct or not by the time we're complete, by the time we're done with the feature length version of the film. So, I mean, that was the primary goal, but there was a secondary goal. And the secondary goal that we had with the half hour cut of the film was to use it to uh, raise the money that we needed to finish this film and to, to produce a, a feature length version of this documentary about the vaquita um, and, and, and also to secure distribution for that, final feature length version of the film. Those were sort of our, um, our two secondary goals um, because, you know, it costs money to make a feature length documentary and, you know, what happened and, you know, we're sort of not quite at Liberty to um, discuss all of the details of this arrangement. Um, But um, we did make contact with some funders um, and what has happened is that um, this this film project um, has has become a lot bigger than just us than just Wildlands. Um, so this is now a collaboration um, between uh, four different production companies at this point, and Wildlands being one of those four production companies. Um, and Wildlands was sort of brought on board because we have this this uh, extensive knowledge. Um, of the situation down in Mexico. We've already spent two years shooting. We already have quite a bit of footage that can be used in the final film. Um, But obviously there is still quite a bit of footage to collect um, in order to produce a feature length doc. So that's, that's kind of where we're at at this point. You know, we're, we're uh, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, We, we actually have, have the money that we need um, to do this the way we want. But I think even more important than the money is that, you know, we have, this is a collaborative effort now. This is not just about us. Um, this is four production companies um, coming together to tell the best story possible 
um, to have the greatest possible impact. And, you know, I think the resulting film that comes out of this collaboration will be exponentially better than anything we could have done by ourselves. Um, and anything that any of these production companies could have done, you know, independently by themselves. And that's why, you know, when you see these big feature length documentaries that get a lot of attention, I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're almost always uh, a collaboration between a number of production companies. So obviously that's, that's how Wildlands operates, right? The collaboration thing, it's, 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 a, it's an essential component of who we are as an organization as a, and as individuals. And, you know, but one of the, one of the, the benefits of collaborating with an organization like this or with several of these, these, these uh, production companies like this, but collectively as a whole is the reach that we're going to get. Not, so this isn't just about documenting the Vaquita story, which of course is, you know, I've said this many times, is a, a, essentially a historical marker of an event um, that maybe we can learn from in the future. But the potential um, as far as a film reaching people in other countries that may be experiencing uh, either those people that are completely oblivious to a situation like this, because of course, you know, despite the internet, there's a lot of information that is lost and people are unaware of. Um, but this story can resonate with other individuals as well as just the general education about, you know, what happened and what was done about it. And where are we now? What, what, is it, what does this all mean? So this, there's, there's a lot of benefit to, a collaboration like this and I would, you know, admit that this is, we were very fortunate um, to have this happen because you and I both know that we, we tried really hard to um, initially before we started the project to, you know, get people on board. And for whatever reason, people just didn't see the vision and nobody was documenting the story. And then of course, now here we are in one of the most exciting points you know, bikini captures and using maybe dolphins. And I mean, it's, it's, it's an event that has never happened before, which has a complete unknown outcome. But of course that is very exciting to media and filmmakers and people in general now. So now the has a lot more attention than it did, which is absolutely fabulous. Don't get me wrong. But the fact that people didn't have uh, the vision the way that we did and didn't get on board early um, you know, that's because it would have sped up the process for us. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's worked to our benefit, right? I mean, it, it, it means that, you know, yeah. early on when we first started shooting, there was nobody else that was interested in covering this story, um, at least in the way that, right. that, that we were trying to. And, and now there are a whole bunch of, of filmmakers, documentary right. filmmakers that are interested in, you know, uh, telling the type of story that we wanted to tell you know, when we first started talking about this, you know, more than two years ago. Um, and, you know, luckily for us, you know, one of the biggest players um, in this space, as far as filmmakers out there and production companies out there that, that became interested in this story, um, they saw what we were doing and they didn't want to start from scratch. They wanted to, they wanted to, to team up right. with us. They wanted to collaborate with us because they were able to see what we had done so far and they were able to recognize the value that that had. Um, so, I mean, it, 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 the situation sort of worked out to our, to our benefit. Um, of course, I mean, I, I think it's important to note that like, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't uh, uh, jump into this, this collaborative arrangement, you know, without like quite a bit of sort of deep thought and like soul searching. Right. Because I mean, 
you know, yeah, overall, like it's, this is definitely a positive thing. It's good for the vaquita. It's good for wildlands. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, we are giving up, um, a certain amount of uh, the creative control that we had over this thing. It's no longer just us. Now there's four production companies involved and everybody has a say um, in the creative process. Um, so, I mean, that, that was a decision that, that um, you know, <laughs> it was not made lightly, right? Well, I mean, and, and of course there's, you know, and it, it wasn't just the creative control thing. I mean, the whole point of our project and why we were releasing these short, as you mentioned earlier, was to raise awareness before the Vaquita went extinct or potential extinction. And you know, that's why, uh, you know, we were running around doing uh, these screenings and why we released it free online. We didn't see any reason um, to, you know, have any monetary gain over this because that defeats the purpose of reaching more people if it meant that it was going to be dictated by a price tag. Um, and, you know, a lot of these uh, collaborations, the fact of sharing our content, you know, these NGOs, conferences, film festivals, you know, it's, 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 it's still out there on the circuit right now. And this is the 30 minute cut that I'm referring to of souls of the vermilion sea. Um, but one of the, um, you know, one of the things that was really difficult, uh, in going into this, this collaboration was of course, you know, when you're, when you're doing this sort of thing, they, and they're going to essentially absorb your project, including all your footage is that you have to remove that content from um, a public space. I mean, the internet, which is, you know, if anybody's noticed, um, the, the 13 minute film, uh, searching for the Vaquita and the 30 minute version have both been removed from the internet. However, um, part of the agreement was to still be able to, um, you know, use the, the, the films for advocacy, um, but they have to be in a private setting. So these are private screenings. Um, so yes, film, film festivals, are still fine, um, but also, you know, if there's a request for an institution like a university or um, a convention, much like what's coming up in uh, the end of October, the Society for Marine Mammalogy Conference, which is the largest marine mammal conference in the world, um, you know, they're going to be screening the film. And of course, you know, that'll be for a bunch of scientists, but, you know, our film has been screened for, you know, universities uh, um, and, uh, you know, not to mention just what we've done um, even in Mexico, but you know, and because it would defeat the purpose if we can't raise awareness while this is happening. Um, Absolutely, so definitely something. Yeah, we emphasize like, listen, like it's fine. We don't mind pulling from the internet. I mean, it was a little hard to do that um, because I didn't want to feel like we were stopping that portion of it. Because it's one thing to tell a story, but it's another thing to actually have um, a story um, that can impact an issue like while it's happening as opposed to like after the fact. So that's, you know, that's kind of where we are now. Yeah. And, and that's a really good point. Right. And, and I actually feel like, you know, that is a role that, that we will continue to play. Right. So, I mean, you know, of these four production companies that have come together to collaborate on producing this feature length doc about the Vaquita, you know, our organization um, is, you know, wild lens is the organization that has the most significant social media following. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think that, that that is one of the roles that we will sort of fall into um, as this project continues to move forward um, is that, you know, we will continue to be, um, you know, sharing information and, and updates um, about what's going on um, as this, as this progresses, progresses and like during the capture effort. I mean, absolutely. Right. I mean, we are going to be 
um, on the front lines, we are going to have much, you know, that's another one of the benefits that comes along with this collaborative arrangement is, you know, um, because some of these other production companies have some serious clout, um, we will have exclusive access to this capture effort. Um, we will have uh, much better access than any of the other production companies um, that will be down there. And there's, there's going to be quite a few that are going to be, you know, trying to get um, access to the, the capture effort and uh, we'll be out there every single day. Um, whereas these, all these other production companies are going to have to sort of take turns and just, you know, hope that they get lucky and they're out there at the right time. We'll be out there every single day. Um, and so we will absolutely be sharing updates, um, on how this progresses and, you know, both via this podcast series, but also via, you know, blog updates and on our website and on our social media channels. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that is not going to change, um, you know, that, that role that we feel like we've been playing. Right. Because I mean, we, we have been, we have thought of this project right from the beginning as more than just a documentary. Um, but you know, a media outreach campaign. Um, and, and I, 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 I think that, you know, the way this collaborative arrangement is working out, you know, I, I think that, you know, wild lens will sort of fall into this role as being the organization that, um, follows through on that, that original goal. First and foremost, obviously, raising awareness for the Kita. I mean, this is that I, <laughs> I'm still having a hard time grasp what that's going to look like because of the scale and the amount of funding that is going to be going into this project now. Um, and it's also nice to know that, you know, even though if you have to give up a little bit of this creative control, um, you know, the recognition that Wildlands um, will get on the screen um, and then, for, of course, in conversation. Uh, but also just not even have to worry about the funding portion. Like if you want to do something, you just do it. Um, as opposed to like start, stop, start, stop, and uh, raise a little bit of money here, do a little bit of this. And I know that you know, films in general, like do a lot of that back and forth. Sometimes you get a lot of money up front and you don't have to worry about that sort of thing. And, you know, obviously that wasn't, that's not how things played out for us. Um, we, you know, were able to start this project and then kind of like scrap through. And of course, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears on not just on uh, your part, or mine, um, you know, and, and, you know, all the amount of volunteer hours, but must heavily credit all the volunteers that have helped out on the project as well. Um, because there was, there's definitely been a great deal of people, um, that have reached out during this project. And it, it's, it's really interesting that when you're doing a project like this, um, even though you're putting all your time in and this is, again, it's, it's not about, it's not about, you know, money on, on any level. And of course, money makes the world go around. So it's nice to get some funding, but the types of people that appear or come out of the woodwork when they learn about a project like this and wanting to help. Um, and they also are not thinking about getting something out of it more than just being a part of, of the project. And, and just the, 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 the resources and the quality that comes out of, you know, or that type of assistance is just, it's, it's quite amazing, to be honest, um, to know that there's people out there that, you know, want to work together um, for this cause and they realize that this is much bigger than themselves. So it's, it's, it's rewarding, especially in this climate that we're living in right now. Um, and I mean, environmental and political. Um, so it's, it's refreshing to know that there's people out there that can see the benefit of something like this. Um, and, you know, that's the hope part, right? That's the part where you're like, okay, so, you know, things aren't so bad and um, it's nice to know that we can all kind of come together to work on something 
um, as important as this um, together. And that's, you know, if that's, that's us being the voice for wildlife. That's, there's, you know, we all know that wildlife can't speak for itself. So it, it's those types of, of connections and collaborations um, that unify us. Um, and it's, it can be scary, but it's, it's also very rewarding and it, and it feels good. Yeah. And, you know, I think you mentioned earlier on, Sean, about, you know, sort of th- this original goal that we had and putting together uh, a feature length version of this documentary about the Vaquita, which, you know, was to have this film sort of be like a, a, a mile marker in history um, and to sort of be this 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 sort of turning point. Um, you know, within this much larger issue that we're trying to address here, because yeah, the film is about the vaquita, but the much larger issue we're trying to address here is, you know, the extinction crisis that we are now in. Um, and as you said, I mean, the vaquita will not be the last species to go extinct. Um, it will not be the last marine mammal species to go extinct. Um, and so we, we, you know, that, that original goal really was to like, you know, take this issue and, tell a story that would elevate this issue into a uh, sort of the, the larger general human consciousness, right? So that it really did become sort of like a critical turning point in the future of, of efforts to, to protect endangered species and prevent extinctions. Um, and, you know, that felt like a really, really lofty goal, you know, when we first started talking about that. Um, but you know, and, and, and it still feels like a very lofty goal, right? I mean, um, but it's, it's, it, it now feels within reach that goal. Um, and that's pretty cool. You know, the fact that it really does feel like at this point that, um, this, this effort that we're now engaged in this collaboration you know, really does feel like there's a strong chance that the resulting film that will come out of this will be something that, um, that reaches, um, you know, that has an impact on the overall sort of consciousness that people on this planet have of the extinction crisis. I completely 100% agree. And, you know, it's always about the bigger picture, right? That's, that's where it always comes down to is like every decision that we make in the foreground is going to send ripples uh, beyond that. And we want those ripples to extend themselves deep into the future, much like any conservation film or conservation effort, you know, even if it's not captured on film, that's always going to be that goal. You know, can we be several steps ahead um, to, to prevent this um, from reoccurring? Um, but I do want to mention that. And I don't want to like create a somber moment, but I, I want to emphasize how, not only controversial, but I don't want people just to, or, or their, their feeling or the thought process to fall to the wayside. Now, just because the Vaquita, this effort, this last such effort, which of course is, you know, people, it wasn't an easy decision for people to make. And you can tell that by some of the, you know, the backlash that you're hearing now. I mean, hence Lorenzo's uh, current situation. Um, you know, Lorenzo's one of several people that are experiencing that. Um, it's that like one, we have no idea if the Vaquita are going to be captured and sold. That's, that's, that's one of the biggest items. So we'll probably do a follow-up after all this kind of reassessing, okay, what happened in October, um, during this capture period? Uh, but going beyond that, Vaquita or no Vaquita, um, these communities that still live there are still completely unstable because they can't fish. 
So this is that this is that idea where this is beyond the Kita because it's you know these nets and whatnot are eradicating all the marine species in there, and there needs to be a better system in place um, for these uh, you know these communities to be able to generate an income and uh, you know have sustainability as far as like you know where are they going to get their food from and it's, and I don't just mean having money to purchase food but being able to like they've been catching their own food forever. And all of a sudden, they don't get any money. And all of a sudden, or you know, what money that does come in, it's it's hit and miss. So that's very frustrating. And then you know, these are people that have been eating the seafood out of that sea, and now they have to order seafood from another area because you can't fish. So beyond Bakita, these communities still are going to need lots of attention. Um, and then also the ecosystem uh, as well. So this is this is that bigger picture. Um, and I just don't want people to become complacent because they go, oh, we, we, we tried, you know, just because it's safe that the key to fail doesn't mean you just stop taking care of those communities. Um, or if you rate, or if you save the Vikita doesn't mean you stop taking care of those communities because, you know, this is that cycle that ends up happening. Um, and this is where a lot of people, um, it just, they get left. And this, it can't happen because we're going to be right back in the same situation. We have to fix this problem, and this problem needs to be fixed, you know, essentially all over the world. So, I, I you know, again, I'm not trying to be so. Well, you're, there, there's I, I, there's a causal relationship yeah. there too that that is important to address, right? Like the vaquita is important, the human communities are important, but they're influencing each other, right? And I mean, uh, you know, the reason the vaquita has gone through this precipitous decline is because there was this failure, this outright and just utter failure to address the problems being faced by this human community. If the problems faced by the human community were actually addressed in a thoughtful and comprehensive way by the Mexican government um, or some other entity, (laughs) right? Like, then we would not be in this situation. The Vaquita would not be in the situation that it is in today. Um, and so I, I think it's important to like feel compassion for the people that are in this situation that you know feel like they don't have a choice, even if they are playing a, a, a role in the decline of the Vaquita, and to recognize that you know there are these connections that go back and forth, and and you know it's they, these these two issues are not. They're not operating independently of one another. They are influencing one another. Um, and if you want to save the vaquita, you have to save the community, the, all the communities of the upper Gulf. You know, you have to find a solution to that. And, and that's still the case. You know, even if this capture effort is successful, they're not going to be able to release any vaquita back out into the wild until all the gillnets are gone. And all the gillnets are not going to be gone until you solve the crisis going on within these communities and you find a way for these people to earn a livelihood. We know firsthand, and of course, it's going to be really interesting to, to see these communities during this very sensitive time, um, you know, because you know, a lot of the, the, what's what's happening and what's already happened recently is, you know, addressing these communities um, and realizing that it's not all about the vaquita. The mentality is is going to be that if you say the vaquita, then okay, we're going to be able to go fish the way that we we normally did, and I mean that's not going to happen. But what that's going to do is, if you're not going to take care of these communities. And if they can't go fish, although people are assuming that right now, um, hence that, you know, violent breakout in El Golfo de Santa Clara just this past week where a 
fisherman asked one of the government officials in El Golfo de Santa Clara that, you know, are we going to be able to fish again beyond the Kita captures? And, you know, he was told no. And, well, the response is that government vehicle that the uh, official was riding in was burned um, in protest. And that is going to be the consensus of all the fishermen that have not just the ones that have not been paid out of the compensation program, but just the whole idea that they can no longer fish and they're just scraping by. I mean, just. So um, it's the system is extremely broken and has been broken for a very long time and nothing is going to change unless these voices are heard and that the government, of course, is the only only entity that's going to be able to solve this issue. Um, but they need they need to take care of their people. Um, it's it's important um, to do that because it's you live in a country that completely ignores you, you know. And I know there's a lot of countries like that, including the U.S. But it's important to know that this is this is it's far from over. Um, this issue is far from over. You know, we are at this point where we, you know, it feels like we're we're about to reach this sort of like pinnacle of the issue, which is this effort to go out and capture Vaquita. But I mean, the the overall, the story itself is is far from over. And, you know, we'll be we'll be working on this project for at least another year um, through to the completion of this feature length documentary. And uh, we will be continuing to update um, all of you fine people who are listening to us talk right now uh, as we go through that process, right? I mean, both sort of sharing information about the, the, the film project itself and how it's developing, but also, you know, most importantly, sharing updates on the issue itself and, and how it plays out, how the captures play out and whatever happens, you know, what, what results from that moving forward. And in closing, I, I would like to add, for those of you listening, although the film, uh, the films that we have have been removed from the internet, uh, we will respond to requests if you're interested in holding closed screenings to schools uh, or you know conventions or something like that. And so definitely reach out to us and uh, you know submit your request, and then we can uh, we can kind of go from there as far as. Uh, making that happen um, because just because it's not on the internet, we are still very adamant about um, sharing the story so that people can become aware now um, rather than later. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Sean. And, and good to remind people of that, that, you know, this the half hour cut of the film that we put together, it's, it's, it's still designed to be used as an outreach and educational tool. So yeah, if, if anybody is interested in hosting uh, any kind of educational screening, definitely give us a shout. All right, that wraps up today's episode of the show. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode where you'll find information on how to set up an educational screening of Souls of the Vermilion Sea, as well as other fun information about the Vaquita and our mission to tell its story. Those show notes can be found at wildlensinc.org slash EOC132. The Eyes on Conservation podcast is a production of Wild Lens. Today's episode was produced by myself, your host, Matt Podolsky. Our theme music is by The Humidors. <laughs>